you know, when you live abroad, you talk about Ireland like it's the best place in the world, do you know? Yeah, I suppose in our hearts, we do want to move home. We want to be back in Ireland. We kind of use it, the airport as a bus station at this stage. Yeah. Fortune favours the ball, doesn't it? Yeah. I really admire people who can do that, just like shift careers and just It was so, it was so fear. Now. I'd love to live back in Ireland at some stage in the future. We wait and see. Might be lucky. And we need to start putting ourselves forward. And if you're good at something, let people know. You're listening to The Workshop. Brought to you by jobs.ie. Hello and welcome to The Workshop, the podcast where we'll be chatting about all things related to work and working culture in Ireland. I'll be your host, Carl Kinsella. On today's episode, we'll be focusing on what it's like to move away from Ireland for work and the challenges that come with eventually moving home. Irish people have a long history of moving abroad to find jobs, but plenty of us eventually return to Irish shores before too long. Later, I'll be talking to Christopher Pay, the general manager at jobs.ie. But first of all, we'll meet our panel, Gordon, Claire and Louis. Gordon worked for Al Jazeera in Qatar for several years before moving home and opening up his own unique coffee shop in Dublin. After finding inspiration while working on RTEs, you should really see a doctor. Claire, who's originally from Cork, left Ireland no less than 10 years ago to teach all across the globe in London, Australia, Dubai and most recently Munich. She'll be telling us all about her experiences in all these different places and how it compares to finding work as a teacher in Ireland. We've also got Louis, who moved to New York City on the J1 visa and worked for New York City FC, alongside the likes of some of football's biggest stars such as David Villa and Andrea Pirlo. So welcome all to the workshop. Um, nice to have you here. Uh, I'll start by asking you all, when when did you leave Ireland? Maybe we'll start with you, Gordon. Um, I left in July 2011. 2011. So, yeah, and I was gone for two years and then I moved back in the hopes of trying to settle in Ireland and I couldn't. So I moved back. I moved away again in 2015. Back to Qatar. Back to Qatar, yeah. Uh, in 2015 and then returned home six months later and I haven't left yeah, yeah, haven't left yet. <laughs> and uh, tell us, Claire, when did, when did you leave? Um, I left in 2006 to do um, my college course in London for a year. I came back then for six months to work and then I went away again to Australia and um, back back in. So I spent two years there. I was back and forth like summers and Christmas for a couple of weeks and then to Dubai for five years and then Munich for two years and just came back in September. And Louis, when did you get away from Ireland? Uh, I left the summer of 2016 and was in New York for just over a year. So what I would ask you is, uh, what was the uh, the biggest challenge of, of finding work when you moved abroad? And, and any of you feel free to jump in and, and answer. I, I actually got my job um, before I moved. So um, I was I was looking for work. Um, I was looking for a reason to leave Ireland um, and I didn't really want to I was like 28 at the time I didn't want to just go somewhere and try you know kind of start at the bottom and kind of make my way up so I I looked for a job before I left and then once I had it then that's when I moved to Qatar And tell us what was the job you found over there? So I was working in for Al Jazeera uh, English the news channel so I was working in their operations department so I got a job as a floor manager for the studio and then I, I had that was kind of like a an interim thing for me to test out Qatar whether I liked it or not and then I ended up as the broadcast coordinator and Louis and Claire was that your kind of philosophy as well did you guys make sure to have jobs before you moved over or did you have to look for work once you arrived yeah I didn't have any challenges finding jobs abroad it was a challenge finding a job to come back to yeah yeah um, Australia was grand there was plenty of opportunities for teachers there and then the other two places Munich and Dubai I had my job set up before I went out there so really it was just coming home that was the hardest part yeah what about you Louis yeah I tried to have a job going over but a couple of things fell through I had went through a couple of weird experiences and stuff trying to get stuff 
Um, like I thought I had a job when I went over but then it kind of fell apart and then yeah went through a couple of other things before I finally settled on the job I had for most of the time when I was there So was it, was it much of a struggle to find work once you were over there? Yeah like the thing that's ultimately was the, mo- the most challenging thing was ultimately the most rewarding the fact that you don't have like a support base and you know Ireland is kind of famous for nepotism and stuff like that you don't have any of that when you go over so it's it's rewarding when it does when you you know you do persevere and you get get something eventually. So I I have worked in New York as well. I was there for a year, and a big difference I noticed between Americans and Irish people is that they're much better at bigging themselves up in a job interview. You know, I think yeah. Irish people when we walk into a job interview, our attitude is almost like, "Sorry for taking up your time. Yeah. I'm only <laughs> Irish. No need to hire me if you don't want." Um, Apologising. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the Americans can go in with you know maybe half the CV an Irish person has, but they've got that the bravado, the confidence yeah. and the bravado, and they'll and they'll manage to carry themselves through on that. Is that something you'd noticed at all in New York, Louis? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something that you have to adapt to. You know, like we've innate, it's I certainly would be more inclined to be more kind of self-deprecating. But, you know, when you don't have yeah, mm. when you don't have a job, though, and you really, like, doing the graduate visa, you have to get a job within 90 days, so you really have to put yourself out there. So you have to kind of let go of that uh, self-deprecating nature and, you know, go at things so you know like for, with the job I eventually got I didn't get it at first and I had to email them every month after that kind of just kind of following up with them and that's not something that I would have you know I had to learn to do that while I was over there I'd say we can't be too confident as an Irish person yeah. 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 that's actually funny that you raised that about the 90 days thing on the J1 mm-hmm. Is, did either of you have any visa issues or visa problems I know you've worked a couple of places did you ever run into any visa um, no, Australia I got it before I went out so it was the working holiday visa and right. then I got the second one and then Dubai and Munich you have to have well Munich nothing but then Dubai you have to have your visa before you move out so everything's above board Was that process, Is that process relatively painless? Um, yeah, it was fine. I found coming home <laughs> was the really? big bureaucratic process yeah. of settling in and admin and yeah. Yeah, because it's weird when you go, like I, I don't know if it's the same in Dubai, but when in Qatar, when you arrive, before they give you your residence permit, you have to go and get a TB check. You have to go and get a HIV check. You have to go, um, there's, there's a load of different channels that you have to go before they'll actually issue your residence permit. And it's really weird, um, like when you're in Qatar, they essentially own you. You can't mm. leave the country without permission from your job. So, like, you have to get these exit permits from the administration departments to leave the country, even if you're going on holidays. Um, and when you're finally leaving, it's like, it's a nightmare. You have to get about 50 signatures from banks, your phone, everything, you know. So, the administration yeah. side of it was the same. Yeah, leaving was very hard, and even yeah. just leaving our school, it was like you get a you get a list of things. It's like going on a treasure hunt. You have to get signatures from all these people around the school mm. before they leave and sign you out. And then after that, it's you're cancelling your bills, your internet, your mm. your rent. There's a lot to leave. They don't make it easy to leave. They make it easy to come to in, in relatively. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and does that kind of atmosphere does that give you any sense of discomfort while you're living there? I I it used to bother me. Because I I always felt like I was slightly trapped. Do you know? Now, you could leave. Like, I never had any hassle. But there was a couple of times when I went to the airport and someone hadn't hit send on um, my exit permits. When I got to the airport and went to immigration, they were like, sorry, your your permit's not here. So it's 10 o'clock at night and you're calling, like, your you know the your manager and work to try get someone to send an email. So that that always bothered me that I couldn't leave when I wanted to you know it was it, it was a little weird yeah I, said, I think they take their pa- your passports off you sometimes don't they 
Yeah, well, no, in, in ours, we always had our own passport, but you you literally could not get out of the airport unless you had yeah. an exit permit issued by your job. So and d- did, so, did you know of people who would get their exit permit denied, like in your workplace? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's something that happened. A girl, a friend of mine, was going to New York for her 30th birthday and got to the airport and missed her flight. She, yeah, had to, yeah. she had to go the next day and had missed her whole own 30th birthday party in New York. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, that's definitely the kind of thing that I think would worry people before moving over to mm. somewhere like that for sure. I guess one of the big upsides of working in places like Dubai and Qatar is that they're either very low tax or tax free. Tax free, tax free, yeah. tax free. No, yeah. no tax now. I think they've introduced something like three yeah. percent or yeah. something. Maybe right, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's a big part of the appeal. I Definitely, assume. Definitely, yeah. yeah. You so, live in a bubble, like, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's it is strange. Like, you do live in this in this kind of, it is. It's a bubble, you know. Mm. You you kind of socialize the same people in the same places and you know it, because you're not paying tax and it's always sunny it, it it's quite it is a nice lifestyle it is but definitely not one that I would want to live forever it's I suppose it's unsustainable it's not yeah. somewhere you can stay forever maybe but having said that I have friends who probably will stay there forever and they just like I, they hate when people say it's a bubble because it's life mm. for them I guess and yeah. it's do you know, but yeah, it's tax free, no bills, no rent to pay. Mm. It makes it uh, petrol. Right. Petrol is like yeah, ten like cent a litre. <laughs> well, I know, I know, because I've lived there myself, and I'm sure Louis, you can vouch for this. New York is the opposite financially. You know, yeah. rent bills all through the sky. Your lunch, um, even yeah, your lunch. <laughs> like coming back to Dublin is a massive relief. Would yeah. you say after New York? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I remember doing the shopping in New York and like I buying the same things as what I'd buy here and it cost twice as much and like renting in Dublin is now on impossible at the minute but like New York is a whole different, different ball game altogether yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess one thing I'd ask you about is that have you ever run into any kind of language barrier or not even necessarily a language barrier but a cultural barrier faced any kind of backlash or any kind of uh, discrimination is a tough word but anyone who's ever treated you differently or worse because you're Irish or you know conversely has anyone ever treated you better because you're Irish abroad I think we have a great reputation abroad I mm. think especially in Germany for me everyone was in the staff room they were all loving your accent mm. and loving the crack that you bring even though half the time they don't understand it but <laughs> they just smile and yeah. nod along I think we've got a good reputation abroad yeah I've, I've had nothing but good um, that's good yeah, experience with that yeah same with me the only thing that used to bother me was it, you know was the accent thing and some of the jokes you know, you'd, you know <laughs> yeah. not everyone gets them and have to explain <laughs> and then with the English people that I worked with they constantly just ripped the piss out of my accent you know and so it's funny when I came back people were saying to me you're speaking differently and I was like well I had to because yeah, I literally was down. repeating myself the whole yeah. time I lived abroad you know yeah, yeah. Um, so my accent definitely softened that was my only yeah I, I think yeah. Irish and then people you get stick from people at home don't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> where are you coming from yeah, you've changed you've changed <laughs> and surely now you haven't worked with a soccer club being from Ireland and therefore having an almost innate superior knowledge to Americans of Mm -hmm. soccer surely that must have helped right yeah I mean in fairness the people I was working with did know their stuff for the most part I'm sure but uh, they like to think they did anyway you know but um, yeah I don't know just in relation to the Irish thing I'd say that it's only a positive really you do the only the only downside is you do find yourself having the same conversation over and over again with people of going like oh my god do you eat lucky charms oh my god do you celebrate St Paddy's Day (laughs) stuff like that but uh, outside of that it's it's all good and what about you guys did you guys ever have any sort of um, moments like obviously you worked in Al Jazeera so was there ever any very high profile things that you had to cover when you were over in Qatar you know were you 
Yeah, like we were, we were, I was just working on rolling 24 hour news. So, yeah. like, in the job I was doing, I never, like, I was now, I would never had any issues at all. Um, going over, I thought that I was going to have some issues, um, just because I was going to a, a, an, a, Islamic country and I'm gay so I was really fearful of going over there in the beginning I thought that I was going to I actually thought I was going to get a lot of um, hassle um, I thought that it was going to be quite problematic but in the end it turned out it was completely it's fine you know yeah like you know it's quite normal yeah um, obviously you know there's certain rules um, and you know where to be careful but it's the same even for like for straight people you know you know you don't kiss in the street you don't you know show any signs of affection around like that so like you know Ultimate going over, I thought I was going to have loads of hassle, but like in the end, it turned out fine. And like Al Jazeera, it's, it's a, like it's a very international news organization. So you're, I was working with people from all over the world, and they were all very educated, and you know, no one had any, and I never really ran into any problems at all. That's great. And in Dubai, is it, is it similar? Did you feel held back at all, or was no, it? No, it's funny. There's so many like. No, like preconceptions about it I suppose and people when you come home especially for the first or second year because I was working in a local school and so everyone's like God you must not be allowed out um, on your own or you have to cover up or the questions you got and it's like I've never had the best social life yeah. <laughs> I had in Dubai it was amazing yeah. and the first two years were a bit difficult because it was a local school all local kids all local parents so when they'd come in for the parent teacher interviews they're all covered and you know like there was one time where I got the parents mixed up because I had never seen them from one end of the year to the next so at the, the end yeah. of the the end of the year we called them in for an interview and there was like one letter separating their names so it was like Meta Al-Mari and Meta Al-Mahari and then mm. I thought I was talking to the first one because right. she had booked an appointment so I proceeded to tell her all about how great her child was here's her work and she was very surprised at the time she was like it doesn't look like her work <laughs> it doesn't look like her handwriting <laughs> so it was a big red face moment yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was that early on in your time in Dubai? That was the was first it? year, yeah. And then this, the last three years, and I was in international school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, I never felt any like restrictions. Obviously, you do. You you play by the rules, and you mm. you watch yourself, remind yourself. But you, I, I never felt held back or yeah. drank more there than I do here. Yeah. <laughs> now you might think that spending an hour or so in the car or on a bus counts as a serious trek. But we caught up with some commuters who don't just leave their hometown for work; they leave the whole country. We sent Emer O'Grady to Dublin Airport to talk to some people whose commute takes them across the Irish Sea. Yeah, three three nine zero to Leeds Bradford, operated by Stowbridge Air. Please receive from major boarding to gate 332 as your flight is now closing. Left the house about quarter to five this morning. Yeah, no breakfast. At the airport through security and flying out in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, hopefully. I was at a, one of my friends' baby showers yesterday and as all of them were settling in for the night, I was going home to bed to get ready to get up in the morning. I was working in uh, Dublin. I actually uh, used to walk to work every day. Uh, that, unfortunately, uh, that contract I was on finished, so... Had to follow the work. I'm Sarah from Carlo and my other half Greg is from Loud. We're both in our late 20s. We commute over and back to the UK every week and we're based in West Yorkshire. This morning I'm heading out to Southampton on the way to Newbury. I just, I'm barely 24 hours at home because I just landed in from Austin, Texas yesterday morning. I'm Barry Collins and I'm going to Dusseldorf. Regularly I would be in Dublin Airport commuting to the UK or Europe or the US depending on where the requirement is. I work in sales. I've been doing this for the past 12, 13 years. I was up this morning about four, so I left the house just uh, about quarter past 20 past four, heading from Sligo to Dublin, uh, from Dublin uh, via Amsterdam to Norway. I'm working in Oslo at the minute, work as a construction project manager. I've been working overseas now for about 11 years, mainly in the UK, but the last few years working in Scandinavia. I live here in Dublin, 
have for the last over 30 odd years. Commute every week to a place outside uh, Portsmouth called Gosport. Well, I've been doing that now for four and a half years. So I got up at 6.30. I was running a bit late. I was late to bed last night. <laughs> it's probably uh, 10, 11 hours door to door. Bit of a trek. That's kind of the routine. It's about opportunities, really. Well, I started commuting in 2000 and ended 2009, uh, and then I moved to Brussels in 2010, uh, and then I started the commute back here more or less from last summer. I know the reason I moved over was for work. So I'd worked in America for a year, and then I came back to Ireland and was kind of looking for a job. And these guys kind of came and offered me a place. Just the only thing was based in England. The recession came. It was the work dried up, so I had to work overseas. Then I suppose when you first start doing it, this it's kind of nice getting on and off planes, but after a while, it's just. Uh, it's just a bit laborious. So I'm over there now, nearly four years. Play rugby most weekends. Kind of use the airport as a bus station at this stage. I am working in Ireland as far as I'm concerned. It's just that work requires me to go other places. Yeah, I like to try and get back at the weekends. But then it's, it's a bit of a balance then really between getting, you know, being too tired. You know, what you can do then at home after all the travelling. Flights cancelled, emergency landings, uh, you name it, it, it has happened. <laughs> we were coming back from Manchester one day and an engine cut out. As regards eventful, that was probably the most eventful, I think. I was a bit mad last year. This year looks like it'll probably be the same. I spent 120 days last year outside the UK and Ireland. There was something like 140 flights, I think. Once you know what you're doing, it's easy. Once you avoid having to queue and go and check in, what you do is make sure you've got luggage that you don't have to check in. Mr O'Leary has made sure that I pay for that now again <laughs> because because it used to be that if you got to the front of the queue, now you have to pay priority, so that adds a little bit of cost. Greg lived over here by himself. I used to come with like bags, like suitcases, bags, everything, just for the weekend. Now, literally, like it's a handbag and like just a little small bag, and like that's the essentials. Wait in line, just shut up and do as they tell you. Take off your shoes when you have to or don't or whatever so you just get on and do it for a lot of people you can see the people who don't go that often of course they go the wrong way and do all the wrong things but uh, it's not so complicated so. for a man for me I never wear a belt because it's just make minimise time going through security it annoys me when people don't have their shoes off or their belt off or their pockets emptied so I think whilst you're in the queue you're there that long you should have it organised here's my super top tip and I've this works for me a lot for transatlantic flights be the last person on the plane uh, mumble what seat you're in and then just stand and wait and just stalk out three or four seats so it's kind of like cheap ass first class no, I like travel. I think it's good to travel to see other cultures and other parts of the world and it just makes you work harder. The biggest strain would be on family relationship in terms of when you're away working, you just put your head down and work. You're not at home then during the week for stuff that actually happens at home. Yeah, probably when I'm a bit, I'm only 26, so probably when I'm a bit older, like to settle down in Dublin. I'm from Tipperary originally, so I don't think I'll be going back there, but uh, Dublin's probably where I'd like to settle down. The most um, realistic thing is to get some work in Dublin, I guess. That'd be the best opportunity. Like I worked in New Zealand before America and then America, so I was gradually getting closer to Ireland. Hopefully now after working in the UK, I'll get back to Ireland at some point. Yeah, I suppose in our hearts we do want to move home, we want to be back in Ireland. I'd love to live back in Ireland at some stage in the future. We wait and see. Might be looking. Please receive from major boarding two gate three three two as your flight is now closing. God, I'm exhausted just after listening to that. Let alone actually having to go through it. Ooh, so, what about you guys? What's what's the worst commute you've ever had? I haven't had any bad commutes really. Work, Germany, Dubai have all been buying like ten fifteen minutes from. Um, I've had bad travel stories, but not uh, not yeah, commuting yeah. to work. Yeah, I'd be the same. I've always lived in a close proximity to my job. 
I don't know, since the Lewis opened, the commute into town can be pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, <almost>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no matter how bad it gets, I don't think it'll ever beat a plane to West Yorkshire or whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever it is that they're up to. Like, listening to some of those people, I honestly couldn't think of anything worse than having to do that, it like, is, day it in, is. day out. It's shocking. It's startling, yeah. Fair play to them. They're troopers. So I'll just open up the next question to the floor and say, you know, to any of you, what was it that brought you back to Ireland? I, well, for me, I had to come back and do Irish exams because I'm a teacher and I trained in London, so I had to come back and complete these exams. Not that there was any time limit on me, but I just think it was hanging over my head for so long. I was like, oh, one more year, one more year, one more year. And then one year turns into three and ten, and so I just thought, I'll come home this year and do it. But as well, I think just family. Like You, you do miss the day-to-day things. You miss you know the christenings, the weddings, the birthdays. Um, I know it's great with Skype and Facebook and everything, but you, you do have that realisation, I guess, that... Uh, people are moving on and, and you know your family or parents are getting older I guess and you know you want to spend that quality time with them as well and I think we do always have that grow for home like Irish people they you know a lot of them probably do go away to emigrate for, for good but there's a lot that are always in the back of their heads there someday I'll go home eventually and so yeah we'll see nothing's forever either though like I say I'm home but then you I know, might go away again know. you never know yeah. You know, I was the same. It was just my my sense of wanting to be at home. You know, I'd, I'd, for my whole life, I always wanted to live and work abroad. Um, and I thought that moving to Qatar would be like somewhere that I might settle. Um, and then, like like you said, you know, there was there's always, you know, you can Skype and you can FaceTime, you can do that as much as you want, but it's been at home. And like, I, you know, I was... 32 I think 33 when I came home and I really felt then that I just wanted to settle you know the older I get the more settled I want to be in Ireland and like with me I was living in a in a country where um, being uh, gay is illegal and at the time uh, the referendum was going on here in Ireland the marriage referendum and being in a country that was you know completely against the way I was born um, and then looking at Ireland and seeing all of my family and friends you know championing for equality it really put into you know into perspective you know where I was and why I was there and you know I was living I had a, like an absolutely great life in, in Qatar I travelled and I was living tax free and it was always sunny you know but none of that compared to having you know that little tiny bit of freedom that Ireland was you know hopefully going to offer me and you know there was a little part of me that when I was living in Qatar that I didn't come home to vote for the referendum because I was going to come home a couple of weeks later and there was a part of me that thought if the referendum didn't if it wasn't a positive um uh, vote I probably would have stayed abroad because I would have felt like that there was a little sense of me that didn't belong here you know but uh, again it was just the you know Ireland is a great country you know and Dublin's a great city so there was always a part of me that just wanted to come home you know yeah and did you feel like that referendum result it just made Ireland a more welcoming seeming place then oh completely like completely I, I, I'm bawling sitting and working Al Jazeera watching it on the television bawling crying like yeah. while I was doing my job you know and it was, it was a, I had a, an immense sense of pride for Ireland um, and it was but like that was you know it was obviously one thing I like I'm sure you're both the same you know, when you live abroad, you talk about Ireland like it's the best place in the world, you know, and Ireland is a great place, you know. So when you're abroad and you're constantly talking about it, it kind of reminds you, you know, you're constantly kind of thinking, oh, maybe I'll go home. Yeah. You know, it is such a great place. Why am I living here? You know, and that was that was me kind of the whole second time I moved abroad. 
I wanted to settle in Qatar and I had a great job, but I just just didn't feel it, you know. Yeah, so home you, is home. You two both made the the choice to come back. What happened to you, Louis? Did Donald Trump turf you out, or the visa the visa expired? Even yeah. Hillary was there. I still would have probably yeah, had to yeah, leave. Yeah. But uh, aside from that, like I hadn't seen the family in a year, so I felt an obligation to come home for that reason. If nothing <laughs> yeah, else, totally. Um, so I'd actually like to ask you because Gordon, your your kind of trajectory has involved quite a career switch, right? You're working in television, but now you own a coffee shop. So do you want to tell us about how how you came upon that change? Um, well, when I moved back to Ireland, I I was working in television, you know, as a TV producer, and I really wanted to kind of try stay in that game. Um, when I came home, I was working freelance. Again, I wanted to settle down, but I couldn't settle down because I couldn't get a mortgage because I was working freelance. And it was kind of like this, you know, bad circle. So I started to look for, I wanted to look for a full-time permanent job in like, you know, a, a proper organisation. So I, I applied to places like Google, Facebook, Airbnb, a lot of those organisations where I thought I could go in on a lower level than what I was working at and try work my way up. And I found that I was some how unemployable because <laughs> I didn't get one interview I didn't like I wasn't even getting emails back to get you know even a phone call so I was kind of sick and tired of working freelance and been in and out of work constantly so I had a little bit of savings there that I just thought right that's sitting there doing nothing it's for a mortgage for a house but I can't get a mortgage so I just decided to invest it um, and I was working on a, te- a television programme a couple of months previous where we had a shipping container and we used it as a medical clinic and we just kind of plopped it all over Ireland you know and gave people free medical checks um, and I had a light bulb moment one day cycling down Thomas Street and just seeing an empty sp- piece of land and decided I'd put a shipping container on it and thankfully after 10 months of absolute nightmare hard work uh, paid off it's <laughs> fantastic yeah. fortune favours the bold doesn't it yeah. I really admire people who can do that just like shift careers and just it was so it was so ner- it was so nerve wracking you know because yeah. you know I had the like 13 years of experience and was thinking to myself well maybe I'll stay there maybe I'll stay there and you know like it, it was really hard because I was like I was out of work for three months with no wages and like had this vision and I was like oh that's where I'll go you know mm. and I kind of had a goal but not knowing if I get there or not was like you know it, it was yeah. terrifying yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully look you know the container's on the ground ten months now and touch wood will hopefully go from strength to strength we'll see that's amazing so you're making the point that you're obviously someone with a lot of experience and clearly a lot of determination a lot of skill and yet you were struggling to find work in places like Facebook and places like Google you also made reference Claire earlier on to you found it harder to find a job in Ireland than you ever found it anywhere else abroad Louis I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if either of you have any thoughts on that is it is it, is this, this seem to be the case that it's harder to find work in Ireland than it is to find work abroad I thought it was, yeah, for teaching. Like, I've, I have a friend who sent out 80 CVs and she only heard back from two schools. I sent out about 25, heard back from one. We ended up in the same school, <laughs> funnily yeah. enough. Um, but yeah, I thought it was very, very difficult to find. And they always complaining about a shortage of teachers nationwide and I'm not sure why it's hard. I think people, a lot of people take career breaks as well. They get their permanent job and then they take career breaks and they go abroad for five years and then they come back. So then their job is on hold. So I, I guess you can get sub jobs and temporary contracts, but it's hard to get the permanency still. Yeah, and you you mentioned something to me about um, the fees that come with taking the exams to be a teacher in Ireland. Yeah, well, so I trained in London. Oh, crazy, yeah. 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 I mean, the incentive is to go abroad. You get everything there. I mean, we had... I trained in London, so I had to come back and do my Irish tests. Not every teacher has to do that. If they train here, they, they it's already okay. included, yeah. So I trained in London, so it's three and a half thousand to do the Irish exams, and then 
on top of that if you want to do grinds I don't do that because I just refuse <laughs> it's paying too much already so yeah it's very expensive and that's including three weeks in the Gwail took all the study that you have to do and then you finally get the exams in April so hopefully I'll pass in a few weeks if I don't I'll have to stay around all summer and repeat yeah, yeah. fingers, so, fingers yeah. crossed okay fingers crossed <laughs> and that'll be the last set of exams you have to do yeah, that'll be yeah it that's the last hopefully yeah, unless yeah. I have to repeat next year but that's great <laughs> and, and Louis what about yourself what is your have, tell us about your struggle have you have you had it hard finding work since coming back to Ireland or yeah well I'm lucky enough to have a job now but like in terms of you know all the people that I went to college with and stuff a lot of them would still be struggling you know two two three years out um, you know the level of opportunities they're probably not as much definitely not as much as New York obviously but not many places can compare to that but um, yeah I think a lot of people are still trying to still kind of scraping around yeah, definitely. That's my experience as well. Mm-hmm. What what I would ask you all again as a group, I'll just open it up. Is do you feel as though having worked abroad has benefited you when looking for work or trying to get anything done in Ireland? Like, do you feel like it has been a you know professionally beneficial thing to have been away? Um, initially, when I first came back, it, it, it definitely benefited me, but that I had. A, a different like huge news organisation on my CV you know I think um, initially I was working for TV3 here and I was trying to get into I was working from in the operations department I wanted to get into producing and I just couldn't make that switch you know they just no matter what I did I just couldn't they wouldn't promote me so I left and I went to Qatar and having that on my CV and coming back definitely benefited me so I, I think like moving over there is definitely the best thing I ever did you know for that side of my career um, but then yeah like coming home then it's really I just found it really hard then to get back into a permanent job you know I ended up freelancing for five years um, so you know like kind of was you know double sided that it was great in one sense but then not great in another sense you know so definitely what what do you guys think yeah definitely it helped me professionally and personally just you know it was my first time moving away from home so you know that was a big life lesson but you know I learned to be more assertive and you know to be able to get the finger out and kind of get stuff done so that was the the kind of main thing that I took away from the experience for me teaching I'm not sure because like you think that having all that international experience on your CV would look really good but then sending out 20-30 CVs and only hearing back from one it kind of yeah. <laughs> does it look good yeah it would raise um, a few eyebrows alright yeah it's strange yeah because there's not many international schools here either and that's where my most of my experience is as well there's only there's a new one now opening in Dublin I think but most of them are you know Irish curriculum so maybe if they see that you don't have much experience with the Irish curriculum that they might shove your CV to the side I'm not, I'm not sure but personally definitely you learn so much about yourself moving abroad and you make new friends and social skills and that's what I would think as well I think the main benefit almost comes from the personal side Mm -hmm. of things I know having lived in New York it made me like you know use the word more assertive like I think it made me a ruder person but like in a a good way (laughs) I think in Ireland we do we genuinely we probably we all put up with a bit too much you know so I think moving away to countries where people are that bit more aggressive I think it teaches you a good lesson you know in terms of how to to carry yourself in a a job and professionally yeah Um, definitely yeah yeah and so just in terms of of teaching in Ireland like are you you happy to be back teaching Irish kids like do you feel do you relate to them a bit better or is it it much the same I think yeah kids are the same anywhere I mean um I do like being home but at the moment I'm not in the classroom I'm doing a language support taking kids out of the class so I do like being in the classroom but it's benefiting me for now doing my Irish exams because it's a little bit more flexible it gives me that time to study so next year hopefully I'll get into a classroom and then I'll get back to you <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and uh, so Lou you're working as a copywriter 
Yeah. So how are you finding how are you finding that now? So, so you know, going from the the dazzling heights of Andrea yeah. Pirlo to to writing advertisements, how does how does it how does it measure up? Yeah, I mean, I'm at a point in my like career, in inverted commas, where I'm I'm kind of eager to you know, take on as many different experiences as possible. So, you know, writing is something that I didn't do as much of in the last year, so I'm happy to be doing that now as well. That's so, cool. Yeah. That's good. And obviously, you know, I guess the biggest change has undeniably been yours, Gordon. Like, how have you how have you adjusted to doing something so different? You know, like, a lot of people, you made it sound quite easy, honestly. I know you're saying you're terrified and it's very difficult, but uh, to me, it sounds like if someone told me tomorrow, "Hey, go start your own business," I genuinely wouldn't have a clue. Like it's it's honestly the way you describe it is is very impressive. So I'd love to I'd love to know how what are your what are your tips or tricks for adjusting to being a business owner and, and a business founder. Like the re- the reason I did is I honestly I honestly felt like I had no choice than to set up my own business because of the way one the way television was going and then two just feeling like I was you know constantly chasing contract after contract and like I'm 35 I didn't want to be doing that for another you know 10 years so like it literally was a case of like fake it till you make it you know like I I had a plan I had an idea and it constantly changed and evolved and moulded itself into container coffee what it is now Um, I just knew that like I did a bit of research and I knew coffee is like a grown market in Ireland and you know yourself like everyone's walking around now holding yeah. a coffee cup mm-hmm. it's gas um, but so I just decided like okay that's where I want to go and I have this much money to spend plus whatever I can get off the bank and like it was a nightmare like I won't lie I had 10 months of absolute like didn't know if I was coming or going you know was it the right idea doubting myself then had have days when like I'd have a good day and be like right this is great it's going to be brilliant but like it was just the whole 10 months was um, it was very challenging but I'm so glad I did it now, you know, because like, I'm I'm my own boss for the first time, which is great, you know. And it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really nice not to have to answer to somebody yeah. and, you know, have the book stop at me. Yeah. You know, now there, there's all the other pressures, you know, of having to pay back banks and, you know, will I get my own loan back? And, you know, because I had to give, like, take my my life savings and put it in, you know. Um, so, like, there's all those other pressures, but not having anyone to answer to was really nice <laughs> yeah and if you were to give just a, a brief snippet of advice to anybody listening who'd be who'd be interested in pursuing that kind of side of things in business what would you what would you tell them just do it just really do it. like I I, I yeah like I kind of I've obviously done a little bit of research and a friend of mine had a coffee shop or owns a coffee shop on the north side so I went in and I had a look at that and I kind of shadowed him for a little bit but at the end of the day I was just like if I'm going to do this I have to do it and it's like anything you just kind of take them steps like bit by bit and you change with whatever way it goes once you know that your focus is on the same thing at the end, do you know? Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a nightmare, but I'm delighted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess something that you touched on earlier, and something I'd like to get all of your opinions on, is maybe the the challenges. And you've have talked about this, Gordon, but the challenges of moving home, particularly from a bureaucratic point of view. You're saying that there's more paperwork, and it was a bit trickier to move home than it was to move away. What? What were you referring to there? Well, mine was in terms of teaching, getting registered with the teaching council. Um, it took about nine months, and it was just back and forth emails, miscommunication, um, misleading information, conflicting information between different people. So it was very, very hard chasing them up, chasing them up on things that maybe I knew the answer to, but they weren't giving me the answer to. So it took, yeah, nine months to get registered. Um as well as that, it's just the rental prices. It's like I lived on my own in Munich. I could afford my own one-bedroom apartment here. I could never yeah. <laughs> for the same price. I have to live with someone. It's car insurance. It's crazy price. Like I got turned down by ten different companies. 
um, and others were like quoting me between two and three grand so just everything at the first few months was just like why did I come home mm. but then after a while you do like and paying tax again paying tax again <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is that's a nightmare alright nobody wants yeah. to go back to paying tax well you just realise how expensive Dublin is yeah. do you know like yeah. life here is pricey you know you all know mm. <laughs> you know yeah. it's you know there's tax on tax and tax and tax and then like opening up your own business just I never realised how much tax I'd be paying as a business owner even you know yeah. like it just and that that side of it is you know, it's soul destroying at it times. Is, yeah, it's a know? bit off putting. There are times I think geez, I'll just go back to Qatar. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think I will. But like you said, never say never. You know, know like yeah. Ireland's a great place. But I, I, I'd never say I won't live abroad again. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's the same as all Irish people. We all have this kind of longing to travel, and this I think it's in us where we mm. just want to be abroad. And you know, like I'm 35, if I could get a house here, maybe I might move abroad again. I just, I definitely have this sense of wanting to like settle in Dublin and I think if I had a house here then maybe it would go again you know yeah, it's I'll hard to even think about getting a house here I think the prices are just outrageous yeah. I mean the banks and like the banking here as well if I've always had free banking in every country I've yeah. been in here it's <laughs> I know, yeah. okay. charge for everything yeah and I, so I suspect in terms of paperwork, Louis, you might you might be of the opposite opinion. I know in New York the paperwork is is disaster, and it's almost impossible to find an apartment just logistically. You need like a guarantor, or you need to pay in an un, ungodly deposit. I was lucky enough in that sense. I just moved into an apartment that had three other people living in it already that I'd, put, well, I'd been put in touch it's with someone so it was a, a rolling contract like yeah. month by month so I can't comment on that I'm sorry yeah, if you yeah. went through the ring yeah, you were yeah, put yeah. through the ringer yeah no, it must have just been me who paid all that money up front yeah, <laughs> yeah you were just scammed <laughs> yeah the one thing I did find really strange about when I came back to Dublin was when you are trying to rent an apartment now that they ask you for like your bank statements and they want to see three months of bank statements and right. it's, it's really invasive now you know like mm. before it was have you got a deposit and you know here's the rent now like they're looking for everything off and I just I've, I've definitely seen a, a change in that since the first time I left to now right okay you know, it's very competitive as well isn't it I'm sure I, I, <laughs> honestly I am process. not joking I was told by one crowd they were like now if you really want this apartment make us remember you so like <laughs> may, maybe like send us an email or a video so we remember who you are I was, I was like you're joking that's like, what you have to do yeah. there was like yeah. 20 people all there he was saying this to <laughs> I felt like it was on the X Factor it was unreal you know <laughs> so that has that definitely changed since. make them like me don't be too yeah. forward begging <laughs> yeah so it's funny alright but I, I'd like to to wrap up what's your sense of your future in Ireland would you in general be optimistic about it having come back and spent now a few years or no just a year back in Ireland do you feel optimistic about Ireland in terms of say the jobs market or just in terms of your own professional uh, future um, I would like I'd like to think I would stay here um, but at the same time I'm always never say never I'm conscious that things take longer than a few months or a year to, to get right again not that it's it's not right now but it just takes it just takes a while to settle anywhere I think like Dubai took me two years good two years to settle Munich <laughs> probably two years and then it was gone um, so yeah it just takes a while I think so yeah I'm here for a while anyway yeah, I think I would like to move away again at some point. Um, I'm still, I still feel like I'm settling in. I've been back nearly six months, but I still feel like I'm settling in. So we'll see how the next year plays out or something. But I don't have any to, um, kind of major plans just yet. You know, I like I've been home nearly three years now, and I like I love Dublin. I really feel like the Dublin is buzzing at the minute. And you can really feel like that. In in terms of 
like me owning a business you can feel like people are starting to spend again and relax you know a little bit more so like again Dublin's my home so I don't really want to leave again um, I definitely think that uh, this is somewhere I'm going to try settle now just for holidays just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. okay up next we'll be talking to Chris Pay, the general manager of jobs.ie you're listening to The Workshop brought to you by jobs.ie We're joined now by Chris Pay, General Manager of Jobs.ie. Chris is going to talk to us about the most important things to remember when you've returned home to Ireland. So a lot of people, like, say, Louis and Claire, who we heard earlier on, they leave Ireland for work straight after college at the age of 21 or 22. They'll spend years working abroad. So when they return home, they have no experience of the Irish jobs market. So what is what are the unique factors of the Irish jobs market that people need to take into consideration? Yeah, I think you need to be prepared. So in terms of when do you start your job hunt, it's not, oh, I'm going home next week. I better start looking for a job you need to start being prepared three, six months in advance easiest way to do that is you know, sign up to job alerts on job study in, in the industry that you're looking to work as well as that you need to start thinking about your CV uh, making sure it's up to date have you got your references checked um, and then you know, Claire mentioned about uh, having to come home and do a course to, to teach Oscuelga uh, and you know that that goes across many uh, different places. If you go abroad and you train as a as an electrician or something like that, you obviously need to make sure that you're you're, you're up to standard here. So, what do you need to do when you actually get home, and can you do it before you get home, ideally? And obviously, a huge part of applying for jobs once you're home is the CV and it is the interview. And as we heard from the guys earlier on, Irish people do have a tendency towards self-deprecation. We might minimise our own achievements. Is this a problem that you see a lot in the jobs market? Is this something, how do Irish people work on that and and big themselves up a bit more? I think it's our mentality. And, um, you know, employers want to see what you've achieved, not what you've done. Uh, And we need to start putting ourselves forward. And if you're good at something, let people know. You know, Irish people have a thing that if you if you say you're good at something, you've notions. But uh, on your CV, I think it's the one place that it's okay to big yourself up and, and let everyone know I'm really good at this. Absolutely. And just on a more sort of technical note, I know one thing that's very much expected in America, once you've had your job interview, you're supposed to send now a thank you email or a thank you letter to the employer. Is that something that really applies in Ireland or, or are we a bit above that? I don't know if we're above it and I don't think it's expected. Uh, having said that, you know, I've received thank you emails after interviewing people and I have to say sometimes it has gone a long way with me um, but most of the time the decision's made based on the interview not what you've done afterwards so uh, a very nice touch but not something that would be expected maybe like it is in New York Yeah and so for anybody who might be abroad now listening thinking about coming home do you know what are the main industries in Ireland where people are looking to hire? Well if you think of why did people go abroad and uh, a lot of people left in 2008, 2009, 2010. Uh, you know, the construction industry had collapsed. And, uh, you know, I came into this industry 10 years ago and I, it was 2007, the height of the boom. And I watched, I watched what happened. And uh, one of my things that I've started doing is I look up and I count the cranes and I start thinking about how many jobs are associated with those cranes. And it's not just the building work and the electricians and the plumbers. You've got your uh, quantity surveyors. You've got someone who has to sell the property space, someone who has to sell the office space. You've got people who are going to advertise it, put brochures together. So every time you look at a crane, you can think of how many industries are actually involved in that. And that just shows how many types of roles there are. 
Uh, if you think of the, the hotel and catering industry, we've seen a 200% increase in the last five years in hotel roles on the site alone. But that, again, spans how many different industries. It's not just your front of house staff. It's not just your bar staff. You know, hotels have really fancy bars now where they've mixologists. It's not just your standard bar staff. It's someone who's going to go in and mix a cocktail really well. So I think... We, we're seeing that there there is a huge upward trend in tourism in uh, in in the property market. So there there are a lot of roles uh, across multiple industries, which is you know only a positive. Well, that's definitely comforting news. Something that Claire raised that I thought was interesting was that she is certainly a very qualified person, but she was struggling to hear back from places where she was applying. Same with Gordon. And I was wondering though, if you're someone who's in a position where you've sent off 30, 40, 50 CVs and you're not hearing anything back, what's what's the next step? Well, if it was me, I'd take a look at why am why am I not hearing back? So it's very easy sometimes to go. The employer never came back to me, and uh, you know, with our own clients and job study, we we one hundred percent encourage that you get back to everyone and let them know if they're going to progress or not. But it's not something that always happens. Having said that, I would firstly go well. Is it my CV? If I've sent 40 CVs and I don't hear back at all, is it me? Uh, I, I personally would be tailoring my CV to the job I'm I'm applying to. I wouldn't have one CV. I would have the bulk of my experience, but the start of my CV would be tailored towards what role am I applying for. So I I think it's to take a step back and go, what's, what's wrong with my CV to start off with? And can I make any improvements to make me stand out from the crowd? Well, it's, it sounds like from everything you've said that the key is just preparation. That before Absolutely. you come back, you want to know three or six months ahead in advance and you want to be able to have time to prepare all these different yeah. CVs and, and, and different... Yeah. And uh, let people know you're coming home. Uh, you know, if you left with a network, what are they doing now? So even uh, with, with Claire, say, who, who left uh, and went straight straight abroad after college, who, who does she know that has jobs here? And has, did she contact them to say, just so you know, I'm coming home in three months or six months, keep your ear to the ground for me? Definitely. And so I, I might wrap up just by asking you, you mentioned that we've seen a, a huge increase in jobs in the hotel industry. Does that mean you'd characterise 2018 as, as a good year for jobs in Ireland? It couldn't be better. Couldn't uh, be better. It's, and, and it's a job seekers market. Uh, you know, there are, there are job seekers are in demand. Employers are in competition with each other. And that's a complete flip on what, where we were five or six years ago, where, you know, people just wanted a job now people are able to pick their job and that's that's what we want to see we want it to be a, a job seekers market and it is that's great well Chris Pay General Manager at Jobs.ie thanks very much for joining us on this episode of The Workshop thanks a million that's it for our first episode of The Workshop brought to you by Jobs.ie thanks for joining us huge thanks to our panellists Gordon, Claire and Louis as well as Chris Pay the General Manager of Jobs.ie I also want to give a big shout out to Shane Dempsey on sound and my producers Emer O'Grady and Rosanna Cooney I've been Carl Kinsler and we'll see you next time in The Workshop You're listening to The Workshop brought to you by Jobs.ie